0: Well, good morning everyone. If you could uh go ahead and make your ways back to your seats. Hate to break up all the good fellowship, but we must continue. <laughs> I don't know if they heard me or not. <laughs> All right. Um, The scripture for this morning is out of Romans 12, uh, verses 4 and 5. You can follow along in your Bible or in the little handout that you received when you came in. And it says this, Just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we who are many form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you. We we just worship you and we want to continue to worship you this morning and we thank you for your body um, as a whole and we thank you for the body that represents you here at, at Real Life Church and we just thank you for each individual member. I just pray that you just help them find their uh, their purpose and their uh, their calling in you uh, and how they can serve the church, Lord. And I pray that uh, you just reveal to us even more of what the church is and what it what it means to be a, a part of the church as we uh, teaches us this morning and we give you all the glory and all the honor amen
1: Thanks. Well we're going to continue our series on the church And, you know, this morning, I don't like to be novel. You know, I don't like to come up here and say and and try to be clever or novel to bring something new. But I honestly believe that what we're going to talk about this morning may be something that many of you have not heard before. And it's a very vital, important thing that we understand about the church if we're really going to be the church and function as the body of Christ. The Bible says that we should live together in peace and unity with one another, right? But why? Is it just because we're supposed to? Uh, Is it just because that's the nice thing to do? Uh, Is it because it just makes us feel better? We feel good when we're living in peace and unity? Well, these things all are true and may be true, But they are not the reason that the Bible gives. The Bible says, We are to make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace because we are members of one body. We are told to put off falsehood and to speak truthfully to your neighbor. Why? Why are we not to lie to one another but to speak truthfully? truthfully and sincerity to one another. Why does the Bible say we're to do that? It says, because we are members of one another. The dividing wall of hostility between Jew and Gentiles has been destroyed. How has that been destroyed? Because Christ made the two into one, and we are members together of one body. 1 Corinthians 12 says we should never, ever say to another believer or even think the thought that I don't need you. Why? Because we are members of one another. 1 Corinthians 12, 27 says you are part of the body of Christ and each one of you is a part or a member of it. We are are not members of like members of Costco or members of a committee. It is not just that we belong to a group or, or are somehow associated with a group of people or have kind of signed up for the same thing together or even that we go to the same place together. It's not that kind of membership at, at all. But we are members like members of a body, like an arm is a member of your body. Uh, we, are, we are members in the sense that we have an organic or living connection to one another. And that's, that's the thing that is really new, I believe, to many of us in our thinking. And I pray that as we preach on this this morning, that God, through His Holy Spirit, will really give us all a new and a greater revelation of that truth. When you repent of your sins and trust in Jesus Christ to save you, to forgive you, you trust Jesus Christ for salvation, you are made a part of his body. You are united to Christ. This is sometimes called our mystical union with Christ. It's called mystical because it's something we we cannot see, it's something that we cannot fully understand, but it is an act of God, it is... A spiritual reality it is something that is revealed to us by God. 1 Corinthians 1:30 says, "By God's doing you were placed into Christ." 1 Corinthians 6:17 says, "He who is joined to the Lord, he who is joined to the Lord Jesus Christ is one spirit with him." Ephesians chapter 5 says, after all, no one ever hated his own body, but he feeds and cares for it, just as Christ does the church. For we are members of his body. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be un- united to his wife, and the two become one. This is a profound mystery, but I am talking about Christ and the church. You know, this Ephesians 5 when we read that, we think it's totally about marriage, and it certainly is. But Paul says this passage really is not about marriage. It's about Christ and the church. And it's an explanation that we are, we are spiritually united to Jesus Christ. And Paul is talking about in marriage how uh, two become one, a man and a woman become one. And he's saying that this is really what it's like between Christ and the church. We become united to Jesus Christ we become members of his body. Now, just that truth alone, this truth that we are united to Christ, that we are one with Christ in this mystical sense, one with his body, that truth alone would be worthy of our whole morning of study. Okay, But we're talking about the church, so we're going we're gonna to move away from that and go in a little different direction. But this is a fantastic truth, that in Christ... That is how we receive all that we receive from God. It is in Christ that we are accepted. It is in Christ that we are forgiven. It is in Christ that we are beloved. That we are forgiven. That we are made righteous. Declared righteous. But we are not just members of Christ. We are members of one another. And Romans 12 verse 4 and 5. Our scripture reading this morning points that out. Just as... Each of us has one body, or each of us has one body, right? You don't have two bodies, you each have one body, right? Just as each of us has one body with many parts or many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we who are many are one body, and individually members of one another. We are spiritually joined to each other, just like we are spiritually joined to Christ. Not that we try to be, not that we're going to go out of this service this morning and try to be, not that we are going to hope to be, but we are. Uh, The ISV puts it this, this way, we are individual parts connected to each other. Now, our union with Christ, or this union with Christ and with each other, is not just a figure of speech. It is a reality. The Bible presents it as a spiritual fact. We are all connected to each other in the Holy Spirit, or in the Spirit, or by the Spirit. There is an invisible but unbreakable spiritual bond that unites all of us together in the one body of Jesus Christ to which we have been united. This is not just team spirit. Uh, This is not just team unity. It is a real union. If you could see the spirit, if you could see into the realm of the spirit... you would see us all connected in some way. I don't know how that would be or how it would look, but if you could see into the realm of the Spirit, you could see that we are all interconnected, that we are all parts of one another, just like your finger is a part of your hand, or your arm is a part of your shoulder, or your liver, or whatever is a part of your body. We are that interconnected in a spiritual sense. 1 Corinthians twelve thirteen brings out that it is the Holy Spirit that unites us in this one body. That verse says, "For we were all baptized into one body, and we were all given one Spirit to drink." You know, I I love all the metaphors in this in the Bible that about uh, becoming a Christian or being a Christian. But I especially love this one. You know, a Christian is someone who has Drank the Spirit. A Christian is someone who has been given the Spirit to drink, and it says that we who have been baptized into the body of Christ, we have all been given the Spirit to drink. But here's the key thing that this verse points out: it's one body and one Spirit, and so we all share that one Spirit, and so there's a spiritual interconnectedness that we all have. The Holy Spirit is one person. So if you have the Holy Spirit, and I have the Holy Spirit, and the person next to you has the Holy Spirit, we are all joined together in the Spirit as believers. We share this common life. His life, the life of Jesus Christ through the Holy Spirit is flowing in and through us all as one body. Even the Lord's Supper teaches us this. 1 Corinthians 10, 16 says, is not the bread that we break a participation in the body of Christ? Because there is one loaf, we who are many are one body, for we all partake of one loaf. So every time that we celebrate the Lord's Supper here at church, it, it should be a word picture to you, of, not, not just a word picture, it, should be, it, it is actually a picture <laughs> Uh, assemble to you when you partake of that one loaf you are saying this loaf represents the, the body of Christ of which I am spiritually a part and each other person is also partaking of that same loaf and there's only one loaf only one body and we all partake of the same and so we are all one in that sense and so when you when you uh, partake of the bread in communion, you are making a profession that you are or have partaken of Christ, and therefore you are a part of his one body, and therefore you share in this oneness with all who partake. We who are many are one body, for we all partake of one loaf." Ephesians chapter 4, verses 15 and 16 gives us perhaps the most vivid picture of this organic, living oneness and how it works. From Him, that is from Christ, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. So that verse very clearly says that we are joined together, just like the human body. Just like uh, ligaments are connected to joints, and I'm I'm not a doctor or medical person, but I you know the body is all connected together. Ligaments are connected to joints and muscles and bones. It's it's all interconnected, and we are joined together spiritually. That uh, that closely, that intimately, that inseparably as the parts of the human body are. Most of us are familiar with 1 Corinthians chapter 12, which talks about us being the body of Christ, the whole chapter. And it teaches that we need each other, just as the parts of your body need the other parts of the body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. There's more, but that's enough for now. So I want to stop at this point and say, so what? What does this matter? What, how does this apply to us? What difference does this make? Well, number one, I must realize, and I'm saying this for myself, but I want you to say this with me. I must realize I am not just an individual believer but a member of his body. I am united to other believers in the body of Christ. Therefore, I will seek to live in fellowship and give up living just as an individual. So the first application, perhaps the most powerful application, that, that every one of us, you Me, the person next to you, that every one of us needs to make is this I will pursue a lifestyle of in depth fellowship with the people of God. Because I am no longer an individual, I have been made a member of the body of Jesus Christ. I love history and read some biographies. And I thought of a story that I had read several years ago in connection with this truth that I've just shared. In nineteen thirty four, a famous explorer Robert Byrd decided to spend five months alone at the South Pole. I mean he was in this little shack, you know temperatures gazillion degrees below zero, all by himself. And he said his goal, this is, this is a quote from Robert Byrd, he said his, his goal, or my goal, is to taste peace and quiet long, long enough to know how good they really are. And so he thought, I'm going to do this by spending five months at the South Pole completely alone. But if you know the story, things very quickly went terribly wrong. All alone, totally by himself, in this long polar winter night, completely dark, he began to suffer inexplicable symptoms of mental and physical illness. Part of his symptoms, it was later discovered, were caused by carbon monoxide fumes from his stove, which was slowly uh, poisoning him. But part of it was just the terrible effects of being completely alone. No communication, no Companionship. He did survive the ordeal, and he went on to write a book titled "Alone." I mean, that's 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 the title of the book, "Alone," which is the story, or which yeah, it's the story of his struggle to save his life and his sanity during this long winter alone. It concerns me, and the reason I here's the whole reason I share it not I'm not just trying to share an interesting story. It concerns me that many Christians attempt the exact same thing Robert Byrd did on a spiritual level. In an effort to find greater peace, effort to find greater fulfillment, they invest more and more in a personal private life and less and less in the body of Christ. And like Robert Byrd, they can't seem to explain They're unusual symptoms of spiritual illness. They feel lonely, spiritually depressed, or like they're going spiritually crazy. And when people ask, why am I not doing better spiritually? Or why does my Christianity not seem to be working for me? The answer very often is that that person has disengaged from the body of Christ for too long a period of time just like Robert Byrd did. You and I were made for these deep, interconnected relationships within the body of Christ. We were made certainly to love God and to be loved by God, but also to love and be loved by other people. The church is God's answer to your need to be in this in-depth relationship of love with God and with His people. And that's why Jesus saved you and baptized you into His body. And when we neglect this pursuit of real love, of in-depth interconnectedness in the body of Christ, there's an emptiness that we feel because that's not what we were made for. Something seriously breaks down when we do not have regular, deep, personal relationship with those in the body of Christ, to whom we have been attached by the Spirit. So, why do we allow this to happen, and and why do we all struggle with this at least a little bit? I'm going to share a couple of things, and I I know this could really be interpreted as uh, putting a guilt trip on you, and believe me, that's not my intention uh, I, just, I know this could really be interpreted as kind of getting too preachy, um, but I think it's really important for us to think through this because some of us are really getting trapped by this, and I think all of us are affected by it. Number one, too often we allow our Western culture to run our lives rather than allowing the Lord to run our lives. Instead of thinking, what kind of relationship does God call me to with his people. Okay? Instead, of, instead of that being the, the uppermost question, what kind of relationship does God calls me to with his people, we tend to think, well, let's see, I've got, I've got to go to work, I've got a home to take care of, I've got family to be close to, I've got activities to get to, I've got activities to get my kids to. Um, I guess this thing just won't work for me. Uh, I guess I can't, just can't live in this kind of closeness and connectedness to the saints that the New Testament talks about. And so often, we simply say, and I've done this too, we, t- we simply say, you know, I'm just really busy. And we sort of just use that as a justification or excuse from uh, exempting ourselves from any kind of committed faithfulness to do relationships with other people the way the Bible talks about. And I know, hey, I, I, can, I, I had, can have days where I'm super busy. I had one this, this last week. I know there's all kinds of things screaming for your attention. But that is why it is so important to deliberately choose to be faithfully involved in the body of Christ. Because if you don't deliberately choose it, I can guarantee you, it won't happen. I mean, it's just like, you can't just sort of uh, think about getting married. You have to deliberately choose to be married. And it's, it's really like that commitment in the body of Christ. You have to deliberately choose. This is going to be a priority. Uh, you know, like, like Joshua, as for me in my house, we will serve the Lord. Well, as for me and my house, we're going to be a part of the body. You know, you have to make that deliberate choice. Also today, electronic media works against close relationships in the body of Christ. Some people feel more connected to people that they see on a TV screen than they do with people in the body of Christ. I mean, honestly, it happens. I, I remember a couple years ago when Kurt Warner was in this, uh, playing for, uh, in the Super Bowl, Man, I, I was watching all his games, even when he was with the Rams several years ago. And man, I was so much of a Kurt Warner fan wanted to see what he did and said and everything. I mean just you develop that bond. you feel like, "Hey, we're friends, we're buddies, you know we have this relationship, and you don't, you know? But some people do. We get connected to people that we see, on, maybe in computer screens, athletes, God forbid characters on a sitcom, uh, than, we, than we do with people in the body of Christ. A guy named Dennis McCallum wrote a book called Members of One Another, and he said in there, we live in a culture where millions choose a video-based entertainment over deep human human relationships. And he went on to say, modern people see nothing strange about living in a sea of people who have no idea what's really going on in their lives, and their closest relationship may be with their dog. Now, a dog can be a really good friend, and I love the new dog in our family, that Josh and Lisa got, Jack. I mean, Jack, I think, is, is a great dog, and I could see myself really being good friends with Jack. But you know what? We were made for more than that. And until, until you accept, or maybe I'll put it a different way, until you really believe, okay, until you really believe that this in-depth relationship with God and with the people of God is where your fulfillment and satisfaction and growth is found, other things will always be more important to you. Other things will always trump the body of Christ until you really accept that this is where your fulfillment, satisfaction, and growth is found. And I know, I mean, most of you here, bless your hearts, I mean, most of you, the ones that are here don't need to hear this message, probably. Uh, you guys that are here, I love you, love you for being here, and most of you here this morning are, are here at least, because you, at least in part because you do believe that. You do accept that, that this in-depth relationship with God and with the people of God is where ultimately your satisfaction and growth and fulfillment is found. All right, that's number one. And just in case you forgot, what's the application? <laughs> the application, I will pursue a lifestyle of in-depth fellowship with the people of God. I, seek, I will seek to live in fellowship and give up living as an individual. Number two, the truth that we are members of one another means that nothing should divide us. We should not be divided by race, by upbringing, by personality quirks and differences, not by the fact that we are male and female, men or women, young or old, not by our jobs, not by our education, not by any earthly thing. This is repeatedly emphasized in the Scripture. First, First Corinthians 12.13 For we were all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, Slave or free. Galatians 3.28 adds, There is neither male or female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. The Christians at Corinth weren't getting this very well. And they were dividing over their favorite leaders, spiritual leaders and Bible teachers. And some of them said, well, I follow Paul. And others said, well, not me. I follow Peter. He's my main man. Others said, well, I follow Apollos. Apollos, Apollos was was a, apparently an extremely knowledgeable and gifted Bible teacher. And then there were, th- there were some, of course, the super spiritual ones that said, no, I am of Christ. And I won't associate with those who say that they're of Peter or Paul or Apollos. Well, anyway... Paul's answer to all of them really wasn't an answer. It was a question. What question do you suppose he asked them? It's three words. A three-worded question. Paul said, is Christ divided? If Christ is not divided, then we should not be divided. Divided. We should not be divided by Christian leaders, by speakers, by writers, by uh, big-name personalities in the church on on TV or radio personalities, pastors, theologians. Paul is basically saying none of those things should divide us. Is Christ divided? Should always be the question. We're part of his body. If Christ isn't divided, we can't be divided. I th- another application of this, and may not seem like a big deal, but we should primarily be known as believers in Jesus Christ. We should be known as, as followers of Jesus, not by our association with a man, with a theological system, or with a group. I, to- I believe theolo- theology is vi- important, We believe that sound doctrine, sound teaching is really important. We believe it's important to stand up for what's right, uh, to to be able to refute uh, error. But the name of a man or a theological system should not be what we primarily identify ourselves with. In the Bible, believers were called disciples or saints or the brothers or Christians These names all demonstrate our oneness with each other, our oneness in the body of Christ with all believers. I I don't think it is is helpful to primarily... I'm not saying it's never useful in understanding where we're coming from, but I don't think it's useful or helpful to primarily identify ourselves as charismatic or non-charismatic, Calvinists or Arminians, Reformed or Pentecostals or Lutherans or Baptists or whatever... Because those names all emphasize differences, our differences rather than our oneness. And for the most part, we should be emphasizing our oneness in the body of Christ. I love what Denny de Grote had put on his tombstone. Denny de Grote, a follower of Jesus. Third application. Understand that understanding that we are members of one another should result in radical love and life-sharing. Just a few verses after Paul wrote that we are members of Christ and members of one another, he summed up how this should affect us in Romans 12, verses 10 through 18, which I'm going to read portions of that for you. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Share with God's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. Do not pay back evil for evil. As far as it is possible, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge. All right, now we're not going to dig into all those instructions in, in detail, but more important is just to get the feel of that. I mean, do you get the feel of what kind of relationships we're to have with each other from that? There's, he's, he's describing devotion to one another, honor for one another, sharing with one another, crying with one another, living in harmony and peace with one another, and never lacking in our zeal to serve the Lord in this way. That that is the goal for our relationships. That's the goal for us as the body of Christ in general. It's the goal for our uh, fellowship, our church group, our life groups, Bible studies. All our relationships with each other are to head in that direction. There were two early... Secular obser- observers uh, of the church, and I, and I don't know what what century for sure. I should have I should have looked that up, but you know, very early first first century, I believe, maybe maybe a little bit later than that. Um, John can probably just pull it out of his head and tell me, <laughs> great historian that he is. Uh, the emperor Hadrian sent Aristides to spy on the early Christians, and he came back to the emperor with a report. That included these famous words Behold how they love one another. Celsus, an early opponent of Christians, said, They love one another even before they are acquainted. I love that. You know, I would love for that um, to just be our witness at real life church. You know, people that don't know anything about us, maybe even people that are opposed to Christianity. They say, behold, how those people love one another. Or, man, those people love each other even before they are acquainted with each other. Man, well, that's, that can happen only because, why? Because we're members of one another in the body of Christ. When I was at Des Moines uh, Fellowship, which Josh referred to, Aaron is from Des Moines Fellowship, is the church that we uh, this church was planted out of. Uh, a very dear Christian man presented to my brother, who who was and is a full time pastor there, uh, a key to his home, and he said uh, he said to Paul, I said my home is uh, the Lord's and it's for His service, and if you ever need to use it for anything. It is always available. Here is a key. Now I don't know that my brother ever took him up on that. But he was serious. And it was his way of saying, my relationship with you is more than just surface. Uh, he's saying, I, I'm, I'm really, I really understand something of the fact that we're in the body of Christ, that we're members, that we're connected. And so I want my love to be expressed in a way that goes just a little bit deeper than that. I thought that was a beautiful expression of that. This kind of love and life-sharing takes all of us working together. It can't be just some, something that a couple people do. It takes all of us taking the risk to love, to serve, to connect, to open our hearts and homes, You know, to bring a small gift to someone, we were blessed a a week ago, I think, with a little jar of homemade jam, blueberry jam. Man, I enjoyed that on on an English muffin. It's you know, it's fantastic. Just, just such a symbol of love that we're one, that we're interconnected. You know, we won't all do it in the same way, uh, but in some way or other, we'll, like I say, take the risk to enter in. To, to this kind of devoted relationship to one another. A couple other a- applications or parts of this, this uh, radical love and life sharing. Because we are members of each other, we are for each other, not competing against each other. There's, there's no basis for jealousy, for discontent, for pride, for competition... Because we are for each other, because we're connected to each other. 1 Corinthians 12.26 says, If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Why? Because we feel honored too. Man, if you're honored, I'm honored. I view that as honor for me. I'm not competing with you. I share that with you. Because we are members of one, one another, we even enter into the emotions and feelings of one another. Verse that I just read from Romans twelve: Rejoice with those who rejoice; weep with those who weep. We, we rejoice with the person who's happy or blessed because we're blessed that they're happy, that they're rejoicing. When they're when they're they're in tears, then we're moved to tears because we're. We're connected to them. We understand something about this union, this being in one one body, that we're members with that person. We're part of them. First Corinthians twelve twenty six: If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. So if we hear of a need or a hurt or a blessing, um, our our first thought is not to compare ourselves to that or distance ourselves, but to realize I'm a part of that person and they are part of me. How can I enter into their joy or sorrow? All right, and here's another, another big one. Because we are members of one another, you must not give in to Satan's lie telling you that you don't belong, that you don't fit in, and you're not needed. I mean, that is a lie from Satan. And when you hear that, you know that's coming straight from the pit of hell. What's, what's all this other stuff that we just read in the Scripture? It says that you are a member. You are a part of one another. And yeah, maybe you've got to take that by faith a little bit and put your faith in that and step out. Uh, but don't believe the lie. And I'll tell you what, it's, it's just a lie that Satan uses to keep people away from the body. I mean, what better way could he keep people away from the body than to tell them, you don't belong there. You don't fit in. You're not wanted, you're not needed. It's a, it's a lie to keep you from throwing in with the people of God. Satan doesn't want you to be to throw in with the people of God. He doesn't want you in these deep deeply loving committed relationships. Paul addresses the same feeling in 1 Corinthians 12. If the the hand should say, because I am not a hand, I am not a part of the body, it would not, for that reason, cease to be a part of the body. So even if you say, you know, I'm not a part of the body, I'm just this little insignificant part, you can say that, but Paul says, the fact that you're saying that doesn't remove you from being a part of the body. You still are. And you're going to have to have to deal with that at some, some point. You are a part of the body. Believe, believe that. Fourth application. Because we are members of one body and members of one another, when we damage a brother, we damage ourselves. And when we do good to a brother, we do good to ourselves. Ephesians chapter 5 teaches this in the context of marriage. Paul tells husbands, He who loves his wife... Loves himself. Why does a husband treat himself well when he treats his wife well? Because the two become one. Paul's talking about the same exact connectedness that we have together in the body of Christ, only he's bringing it down to a more specific relationship of marriage. There's a union between two people that is so deep, so profound, that your wife is a part of you. And you do yourself a favor by treating her well. You love yourself when you love her. And it's the same in the body of Christ. There is no more powerful argument, no greater reason for valuing each other highly and for treating each other well than this. That other person is a part of you. And how you treat them is how you are treating yourself. I, I, I haven't read it, but I'm told in a new book that Michael Brown put out, he has a, there's a chapter entitled, uh, Let's Not Burn Each Other at the Stake, or something like that. And boy, that is so needed in the body of Christ. You know, We're connected to each other. Let's not burn each other at the stake. Fifth and last, it is critical for you to understand that authentic spiritual growth takes place in his body. Ephesians chapter 4 answers the question, how do you grow out of spiritual infancy? How do you become solid, mature, not easily deceived? How do you reach the full knowledge of the Son of God? How do you attain to the fullness of Christ? The answer, and I can't go into all the the implications of this chapter, but it's really summarized in the last verse, which I already read from Ephesians 4.16. From him, that is from Christ, The whole body, joined and held together by every joint and ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. So that verse basically says we receive all that we need to grow from Christ our head. Every blessing, every spiritual blessing flows to us from Christ and from our union with Christ, but not in an individual-only sense. The resources of our head, of Jesus Christ, flow to us through the body. Through that which every joint supplies, and by the proper working of each individual part. As each part does its work, the whole body, not just an individual, but all of us, grow together and are built up in love. And... We really need to see that. We need to come to the point where we really believe that maturity, fullness, comes through being engaged in the body. Now, lest anything that I said this morning be misunderstood, I want to assure you I have no desire uh, to pressure anyone, to guilt trip anyone into into involvement. (laughs) I simply want us to see I want us to get a revelation this morning that we are members of one another. And that will make all the difference. That will produce the outcome that the scriptures call us to. That will change everything. Let's pray. Father, uh, I ask that by your grace and by the revelatory power of the Holy Spirit that you would open our spiritual eyes to see this oneness that we share with God our beloved head, Jesus Christ, but also that the eyes of our heart would be open to see this union that we have with one another in the body of Christ. I pray that this Sunday, I know this is asking for a miracle, God, but I truly pray that this Sunday would change everything for all of us about how we do church with each other. I pray that this message would deeply penetrate our hearts and our souls I pray that it would reach everyone who's here. I pray that somehow this message would reach everyone who's not here. I pray, God, that you would do the miracle of causing us to function and demonstrate to the world that we are the one body of Jesus Christ. And we pray this in your holy and precious name. Amen. We're going to be blessed with a song, I believe, here at the end. So just uh, sit tight for... For a moment and uh, allow the Lord to minister to you through this part parts part of our body is going to minister to the other parts here for a moment please feel free to, to sing